Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Reflections Podcast for First Baptist Church of Washington, Michigan. We're glad that you've taken the time to listen to our conversation. And as always, we want to start by reminding you that our conversation is meant to be listened to in the context of Pastor Phil's lesson from this morning. So that is August 23rd. It's on Numbers 21 through 13. And uh, we want to encourage you, if you've not listened to Pastor Phil, stop listening to us. Go listen to Pastor Phil and then come back to us and you'll get much more benefit out of what we have to say. Uh, grateful this week to be joined by Kevin Fitzgerald and David Payton. Kevin, how you doing? Doing good. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back. Uh, David, how are you? Very good. Thanks, brother. Good. Well, we'll get right to it. Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13. And Kevin, take us away. All right. Verse 1 says, And the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the, the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. The water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have commanded. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. Amen. Another great passage of scripture. Um, and as always, let's open it up. Uh, any broad thoughts, anything that stood out to you guys from the sermon this morning? I think like the thing that just kept ringing through was the theme of forgetfulness. Um, I know Pastor Phil mentioned a number of different uh, contextual um, contextual facts that, with specifically Miriam forgetting about the leprosy, but also the people they just finished forty years of death and destruction for their sin. This exact spot that uh, twelve spies had come back and the ten were bad and two were good. Um, and then even I think greater was Moses and Aaron when they come before the Lord and they see the glory. Um, I, know I was reading a little bit and it talked about the, probably the cloud or the pillar of fire before them, this great display of God's power and magnitude. And, you know, just a few minutes later, they forget. 
And I was very struck by that because of the amount of display that they were able to see of God's direct power um, and sovereignty from the beginning towards the end. And even God's judgment on them with the 40 years. I mean, they have just gotten finished with that trek through the wilderness where they've seen all of the people die. And yet they forget over and over again. I was uh, convicted of that in my own life, which how often I forget the grace that God's displayed in my life, either maybe the tiding that he's given me and we just go right back and right back like a dog to his vomit. Uh, I thought that came through very clearly today in the message and the passage. Uh, for me, I think the theme of holiness um, struck home. So as Pastor Phil pointed out, the word Kadesh, which is where this um, took place, was, was means uh, the word origin mean, has its derivative from holiness. Um, and at the end of the passage, there's this um, phrase where the people quarreled with the Lord and through them he showed himself holy. Um, and then further, you've got verse 12, where the accusation that God brings to Moses and Aaron is that they did not uphold as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, the Lord. Um, and it, it, it kind of rings of the, the incident with Uzzah and the Ark of the Covenant, where Uzzah stretched his hand out to touch the Ark of the Covenant with his hand. Um, and there the holiness of God is displayed by striking Uzzah dead because he didn't keep the Lord as holy. Um, and so you've got this theme that runs through, which the sin that Moses and Aaron specifically committed um, was, was not believing in the Lord as a holy God and thereby upholding him as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Um, and it's, it, it, I think it takes narratives like this just to reinforce that attribute of God's character for us. Um, if it were not for, for the recording of these kind of incidents, um, and I'll bring up a couple more that, that ring true, um, we, would, we would live under this constant veil of ignorance, really, uh, of the character and, the, and the, the holiness, the separateness of God. So I think it was just a, was a helpful reminder of this attribute of God's, which is always true in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the BC and the AD era. Um, so it was just a, a helpful reminder of the holiness of God. I would add to that. I think this is one of those unique passages that show both God's that show God's holiness, not only in his justice, but also in his mercy. And I, I really, I was blessed in some, uh, by, by reading both of those Psalms that Pastor, Pastor Phil recommended, Psalm 106 and Psalm 114. Um, and in reading both of those, you see the two sides of this. You see that God is just in that in Moses's and Aaron's rebellion, God punished their sin. He did not allow sin to run rampant. He did not allow their pride in claiming the, the place of God as the providers for the people. He did not allow that to go unchecked. But at the same time, he showed mercy in still providing abundantly for the nation of Israel. And I think that's a, it's a good, it's a good narrative that exists in that stream. And obviously the climax of that stream 
is the, the story of the crucifixion, where we see God's justice poured out on Christ and God's mercy in saving us. Um, and so just, I was encouraged again by seeing the justice and the mercy of God together in this, in the same account. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, I think one of the other things to, to say is, you know, we, we constantly have this, these, the recording of these events in scripture, I think as um, Psalm 19 talks about um, that the word of God is pure, it's refined um, in the keeping of God's commandments, there's great reward and by them, your servant is warned. So, there's all of these narratives that that give us the the history of the children of Israel, the way both both broadly of the people themselves, but then of the leadership um, of of Israel and Judah through all the years. And in the case of Moses, like this, you've got a man who who really lived faithfully and uprightly throughout his whole life, but he had this this failing towards the end of his life, which um, blemished his record. And, uh, and it's, it's recorded for our warning uh, and for our direction so that we know our history. And by knowing our history and by God's grace, we don't repeat the history of our forefathers. Um, and that's, so that's another lesson that certainly comes of this. I, I think that's when I read the scriptures, I don't know if, if you guys are like this, uh, it's almost like even like watching when you watch a movie and there's like a bad character, but you start to feel bad for the person, the way they're treated. And it's almost like that in the story when I come across these narratives in scripture, when there is somebody like Moses, who we know the whole history of Moses. And you're like, really? Like he can't go, you know, after all that, you know, he's been on the good side of this um, throughout the script, whether it's David. Um, but like you were saying, David, earlier, that's like, a warning of the seriousness of sin and the holiness of God. Like we're like so calibrated to think, man, that's not fair to have this huge, massive punishment. And I think that hurts us in our own spiritual walk because we have a kind of a, a numbness to the amount of sins that we practice in a day. And this is one instance and he's not able to go on the promised lands where you and I are speak for myself. Let you speak for you. Um, we sin so much and I don't think about it in a day. And that was something again, that was driven home today as I sat there. And then we sang the power of the cross afterwards, which was a very fitting way to close as we dwell on how that guilt is removed. Yeah. And it just gives you a sense of how perfect our great prophet, priest and King is the Lord Jesus. You know, he, he delivered the perfect message. Um, he was the perfect king or leader of his people, never failing in any point. Um, but he was equally as tempted as we are. And yet he had no sin in him, which is astounding. I mean, when you think of like Moses didn't, he didn't blaspheme the name of God in this case. He just, he just said the wrong thing, spoke to the people and you should have spoken to the rock and he struck the rock. <laughs> you know, it's not like he went off, and committed adultery at that point or something very brazen, but it's the, it's the, the dishonoring of the holiness of God that was, was his sin. Um, and I think a return to this, um, as R.C. Sproul was, it was the, his life's mission to point back people back to the holiness of God. Um, and 
I think it should be ours as well. So it's good. You know, we need a return to the fear of the Lord is, is, a, is a healthy thing. And the fear of the Lord is both, um, I think, a contemplation of his, his severity, but also his goodness, because his goodness is always in the light of his severity. Um, and the cross is the perfect example of that. I think while we're on the top, we were talking about God's holiness, but specifically in Moses, another thing that kind of, it's probably not like right out in the open, but as you look at the passage, you have the situation with Miriam, his sister dying and how close they were. You have the end of that 40 year just desolation, which is I'm sure was depressing for Moses as just people are dying. And then they have the complaint and you kind of see this buildup where Moses is coming under trial. I don't know if you guys noticed that where he, he's a lot of stuff is piling on all at one time. And I thought of, obviously God is bringing this into his life and sovereignty, but also Satan is the roaring lion seeking about who he can devour and almost like a Job situation where things start to compile. And I was again, thinking about that this morning that when I have a lot of pressure or a lot of things start going wrong in my life, those words tend to come out quickly. Like pastor Phil talked about this morning with specifically him speaking to the people, calling them rebellious rebels and um, having a sensitivity to um, the situations that we're in. Um, the last thing I usually think about when I have a bad day or things start to go back is obeying God or keeping a short, uh, few words, speaking softly. And I thought that was something that was convicting this morning is that Moses has all this pile on and he just, you know, blurts out. And I've been there a number of times um so having that sensitivity to your situation realizing the spiritual battle that you're in that this is not just random things happening in a day um this is a trial a temptation like james one which i think brings up a another important point um, along the same lines that you guys have been talking about is this is why it's so important that we are committed to understanding our god from scripture um and Again, I just want to take some of the fear out of the word theology. Um, what we believe about God. In a crisis moment, what Moses needed to remember is that God is holy and that God judges righteously. I love that Like Pastor Phil's main point is that we need to trust God. And that's the, that's the key core issue at the end of the day is that there was a lack of belief. There was an unbelieving you could say a moment or an unbelieving heart there was a, there was a lapse in belief in Moses and Aaron and that led to this sin. And like you were saying, Kevin, this isn't exactly like smooth sailing right now for Moses. His sister just died. Um, he's just had to deal with in chapter 16 and 17. Um, he just had to deal with the rebellion of Korah and watched his like distant cousins who are in the same tribe as him basically say, Hey, you know, we recognize that God has spoken to you, but you're not the only one. And why do you get the monopoly on God? And, you know, they, they rebel against him. And God, Moses and Aaron have had to go out of their way. God has had to, in a sense, go out of his way to prove that Aaron is the one that he wants in the priesthood, not these other people. And that there's been this rebellion and the earth has swallowed people. And you look at the way Moses loves these Israelites, and that's obviously a weight on his shoulders. I mean, he's just watched, a, you know, hundreds of them die. And... All of that piles up and then Moses snaps and he goes, here now, you rebels. At that moment, um, Moses isn't going to be able to stop and go, now, hold on just a second. Let me think here. 
and you know like quote bible verses back to himself and so he he needs the the theology the the realities of scripture to have laid such a thick foundation in him that in the moments of that that in those crisis moments he's not as tempted now we're all going to fall like we're we're never going to be perfect at this but that's why I think it's important that we understand our theology because all of sin comes back to a root of unbelief. And um, so I think that's what you guys have been saying. That's, that's a very important point. I, especially when we come under these sort of circumstances where it seems like a waterfall of trial, I think like Moses, it's very easy to try to go out and go to bat for ourselves. And I think like, not only is he affronting God's holiness, but what, what he says is he's, it's almost as if God is not going to be able to handle this. So I'm going to help him out by castigating these people. And I think that comes up frequently where we try to dig ourselves out of our own hole and we end up just going deeper. Um, so that was, I don't know. I think I struggle with that a lot more than I'm willing to let on. Yeah. And I think um, it speaks to another attribute or aspect of um God's character in the way in which he deals with, with us when he corrects us of our sin. Um, you know, in, in uh, Galatians 6, kind of as we were speaking about last week, um, the way we, we are commanded and encouraged to correct our brother uh, when he's sinning is to do it with gentleness. Um, and Moses wasn't gentle here. He was, <laughs> he was bringing out the rod. Um, and that's not the primary sin that he's committing, but, but still it's part of it. Um, and he, he's, he's angry with the people and his righteous anger, um, as you know, as it says in, in, uh, Ephesians four, I think it is that, um, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And then elsewhere it says, for the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Um, and while he may have had legitimate cause to be righteously angry, under the circumstances, God required that he restrain that and direct his energies to faithful obedience uh, to, to him and speak to the rock, you know, um, show the holiness of God, don't blast the people. Um, there's 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 ways or there's ways to do this that will uh result in the glory of god more than the immediate seemingly obvious way of human righteous anger um and that's often a mistake that we as as believers can make is you want to you want to just explode with frustration at these these family members or these church members or friends that are disobeying the Lord, thinking that our anger and firmness and, and uh, our harshness might sort of snap them into line. Well, more than often, it's not going to do anything but actually aggravate the situation. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that you bring this up, like when to speak and how to speak, because you have a situation here where Moses is speaking wrongfully. But you have the other aspect where Pastor Phil brought up this morning with Aaron laying idly by when he should have spoken up. That gentle, firm word of truth could have done a lot to change the situation there. And yeah. I thought that was, I mean, 
I tend to speak my mind more than be quiet, but there's been times that I sh need to speak truth and I have not. Um, so I think that's an interesting parallel. We have one person speaking wrongfully and another person being silent, just going along with the flow. You have both aspects of that, both sides of the same coin. Just a quick uh, parenthesis with two other biblical examples of, of where there's somewhat of a similar situation that occurs. Um, where what, from a human standpoint, would seem like a minor incident uh, is, is brought into the light of God's character and seen to be a great evil. Um, the first is with Saul and the Amalekites, um, where in 1 Samuel chapter 15, he's commanded to go and um, destroy them all fully. And he instead he spares the best of the flock and Agag the king of the Amalekites um, and he says you know oh, I've obeyed the Lord I've uh, Samuel confronts him and says you've what have you done um, and he says I've obeyed the Lord this is you know we can use this to sacrifice and then Samuel responds saying um, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion, and that's the word that is used to describe Moses, actually, in Numbers 20. Uh, what Moses did was described as rebellion. Uh, for rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So, Again, um, there's a, the description of a single incident that was gravely dishonoring to the Lord and brought about a permanent change to the circumstances of Saul. Uh, he, was, he was unanointed, uh, essentially, from being king. Um, and then the second is the New Testament example of Ananias and Sapphira, um, where they lie to the Holy Spirit and lying to the Holy Spirit about the proceeds that were given to the apostles when, which were in fact um, not all of them, they withheld some of their own. Um, the sin was lying to the Holy spirit and consequently then they were both put to death by the Lord. Um, so not upholding the, uh, the truthfulness of God or the, um, the holiness of, of God before the apostles and the new church. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, he's the same God of the Old Testament as he is of the New. And we, we shouldn't think of him as the angry God of the Old Testament and the benevolent God of the New Testament. He's the same. Um, same in grace and same in judgment. Amen. Amen. Um, well, with the time we have left, I kind of wanted to take a look at some of, uh, at, at two of Pastor Phil's, um, I guess you could call them applications. Um, kind of two of his his points from from the the message today uh, that we need to trust God by not underestimating our sin and by not overestimating our own importance. So I guess I kind of wanted to we'll, we'll start with overestimating our own importance. What what does that look like? What what is that actually? How does that actually flesh itself out in day to day life in the context of the church? What does it look like to overestimate our own importance? I think 
it's really easy to view yourself in a specific maybe ministry as the way people change as opposed to the Holy Spirit, the one who melts hearts. And if I do not, let's say you're preaching, if I don't preach a sermon perfectly, then people aren't going to get saved. Or if I'm not a part of this ministry, then it's going to fall apart. And it's very easy to happen subversively uh, because you, you see that when you get frustrated, when I'm in charge of something and something goes wrong, I think Pastor Phil even uses as an example in the sermon, then I am flipping out because the system is getting messed up and God's not going to work if the system's not right. And that's, uh, when you say it like that, it sounds foolish, but it's much easier to get into a church. And that's a lot of time, I think, where you see quarrels and dissension in a church is when somebody tries to move you out of your specific ministry. Because if I'm not there, nothing's going to happen. God is going to stop working in it. So I think that's a, a big way in which that happens in the church. Yeah, I think one of the, I mean, this is perhaps a little bit more of a general uh, description of this the way in which um, you can overestimate your own importance is just to go beyond what is written. Um, you know, when, when the scriptures talk about the, the way in which a church should grow or the way in which a church should function, function um, it's really not very complicated. It's just a matter of preach the Bible, live the Bible, pray the Bible, sing the Bible, um, and, and share the Bible. And, and the, the simple application of that in, uh, in the congregation in terms of kind of preaching that we should expect, the kind of singing we should do, um, if we go beyond what is simply written as to what God explicitly says is, is pleasing to him, um, then we're overestimating our own importance. So we're thinking that we have the answers for how church should function um, when in fact it's already been revealed to us, um, you know it says in in um, two Timothy three sixteen that, or um, no, I should say it's uh, two Peter that we have been given all things necessary for life and godliness. Um, we don't need to look to the world, to the patterns of the world, to like church modern church growth experts. We just need to be faithful in the little things, uh, and he'll he'll be. He'll grant us to be faithful in, in the greater. Can I put one more? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, I think another way is by lack of discipleship, especially if you are in charge of something. That's why we have young guys like Kyle and myself and other people. I know Pastor Phil is very passionate about that because he knows that he's not going to be here forever. No pastor, no matter how long you stay, you're not going to live forever. And that kind of goes along with any ministry in a church. It's good to bring people along. And that shows that you don't view yourself as the end all, do all for your ministry. Because you're not going to be there forever. The only thing that's constant, as we've talked about, is God. God's the one who builds this church and he uses us as instruments. So passing along your valuable knowledge, whether that's a pastor or a ministry leader, and even something as simple as like a visitation. I've enjoyed going with Ken. And I know Kyle's went with Ken. And Ken just showing how to do visits. That discipleship, passing on your information shows that you are not overestimating your own value. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, as we're coming to a close here, we'll go to the second one. Um, not underestimating our sin. How do we tend to underestimate our sin? What does that look like? I think that's like pretty much everything we do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, 
I think the, you know, the fact we, and I speak for myself here, that I certainly do not grieve enough uh, for my sin. Confession of sin and regular repentance, daily repentance, should really be part of our personal prayers, our family prayers, our corporate prayers. Um, and if they're not, it's a token that we we don't have a sense of the holiness of God, that we're really underestimating, as Pastor Phil said, our, our sinfulness. Um, it's not just it's not just you know blatant, obvious disobedience against the Ten Commandments. Um, it's really this this pervasive, like systemic ailment of not regarding God as holy as we should. Um, it's it's like a chronic, it's like a chronic um, infection of the blood of us of our souls um, that that we really need to pray that God will purge out that we'll really regard Him as holy and hold Him up as holy in the eyes of of people around us. Um, so for me, I mean, yes, there's, I suppose there's many specific ways that can we can apply that, but just the general prevailing attitude that that we have towards our sin. Um, I think for me could certainly be significantly improved. I think another aspect is like uh, David, when Nathan, the prophet Nathan comes and speaks to him about the, the poor man's lamb who was killed and David burst out with anger and says that man needs to be punished. And like that, I, it's very easy for us to have a habit of criticalness of other people, that we are play the Holy Spirit for other people as we read the scriptures or he, hear the scriptures, where instead of being convicted ourselves, we are thinking about all the other people who may actually struggle with the things that we're reading or we're hearing, but we're hearing, we're being quick to hear, as we talked about in James quite a bit ago, for others instead of being quick to hear ourselves. And I think that's a very good temperature, if you would, to take your temperature on how sensitive you are to your own sin. If you do underestimate that as if how critical are you of others um, when the word is opened or the word is read. Amen. Well, thank you guys for setting aside the time to have this conversation with me. Uh, Thank you to our listeners for taking the time to listen to us. And as always, we want to close by reminding you that you can find sermons, more episodes of the podcast and devotionals on our blog at fbcwm.org. And Lord willing, we'll be back with another episode next week.